Well, hello, hello, and I hope you are having a fantastic day today. My name is Tristan. This is yet another episode of Ordinary People, Extraordinary Stories. Now, I have to warn you, my sides have been hurting from laughing so much because today's episode is all about my friend, the comedian, Keith Lowell Jensen. He is a Sacramentan comedian who has traveled throughout the country and has been doing stand-up for 20-plus years. We get into talking about writing techniques, performing techniques, working with other comedians, and the price for fame, or more of how he got his way to the top. You can also catch his full special on YouTube, Keith Lowell Jensen Not For Rehire, which has gotten a chicken fried thumbs up approval from Metallica's frontman, James Hetfield. So, if this all sounds way too good to be true, check out today's episode and stick around near the end where I actually get to use one of Keith's bits on the cast, with, of course, his permission. He said I could do it, so don't sue me. (laughs) With that being said, I want you to sit back, relax, get your two-drink minimum, and put your hands together for another ordinary person with an extraordinary story. I mean, like, have you ever like done something like this before? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, t- tell me, tell me about it. I'm, I'm, I'm new to the the podcast game. Is it like it's kind of different between doing this and like being on stage? Is it or? No, it is. I, I'm much more boring. I think <laughs> in this capacity, you know, on stage, I, uh, I don't know every word I'm gonna say, but I know almost every word I'm gonna say. Uh, when it comes to the punchlines, I have them memorized where they're pretty specific right. to be maximum impact you, you don't trust your uh your improv i feel like you're a man that could probably improv some pretty like a minus material you know like i i think that people that know me well are uh as a comedian are surprised when they see that i i can do uh crowd work pretty well hey but i it's not my choice it's not what i like i mean i enjoy it when i do it but it's not what made me fall in love with comedy oh boy and i mean that's what we're going to get into tonight or today is us like your love how you you fell in love with the old c word yeah i really like taking something writing it and then just doing it over and over again and tweaking it and perfecting it and getting it exactly how i want and then i like to record it and move on right right so i when i was a kid i really wanted to be a filmmaker and so i think it's that same sort of thing where it's like, I, I want to make a good comedy recording and then go do something else. Because I know you like the movies and I don't, I don't know if you remember our conversation. I, I have like a crazy like Rain Man kind of memory where I just remember little things very well. We were in the parking lot of the Punchline and we were talking about that Roseville $3 theater off Douglas. Yeah. I think I'm so old. I think it was a two dollar theater when I was going. Oh God! <laughs> that inflation, exactly. <laughs> oh my God! I have so many funny stories from that place. Well, dude, this is the place to uh, to do it. Well, you know. Well, I remember me and my friend went to see an R-rated movie, and by that point, I, it, it seemed like there were two men that 
owned or at least ran the place. Mm-hmm. And by then they knew me. They knew that my mom dropped me off there every week. They, you know, like my mom obviously knew what movie was playing. They didn't have multiple screens. Right. And so they were sweating me about it being R-rated. I was like, I literally just got out of her van. <laughs> she brought me like she always does. Just take my $2. You know me, man. <laughs> and they said, nope, sorry. And so my friend Jim leaned in and said, I'm his brother. Can I just vouch for him? And he said, how do, you, how do I know he's your brother? And Jim says, you want a stool sample? <laughs> and Jim was this like really big guy. The guy looked at us and said, you guys are punks. And he sold us the tickets. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Just wanted that sell, man. Well, so do you remember what the movie was? I don't even remember. But I also know that I, I went and saw RoboCop there. <laughs> okay, tell me why I was just going to say it was RoboCop. Because like that's like that, oh my God. Probably because I told you this story before. <laughs> I laughed so hard in RoboCop. Oh, Seems like we're, you know, uh, read from that 70s show. Uh, He's a dick in that movie it's like oh he's such a good bad guy oh my god like because he's like doing just blow and shooting everybody and just being the worst bad guy like he, he shoots murphy's hand off and then says come on guys give him yeah, a hand. Hand. <laughs> and i laughed because it was funny and robocop is a funny movie i mean the this the line you're fired is one of the best delivered lines in the movies ever uh, because of what it meant, you know, once once he was fired, then RoboCop could do what he wanted to him. So the owner or or I don't know if he owned it or ran it, but the, the guy that ran the show came out and said, uh, excuse me, but I need you to laugh in the appropriate places. What a dick. What? <laughs> and I said, OK, then I'm going to need you to sit next to me and tell me what's funny. Oh, my God. And once again, it was just like, you're a punk. He was always calling me a punk. So. I mean, I, it kind of makes sense why I guess the business isn't there anymore. Kept calling all the patrons punks and like. But think he could have just banned me. I was such a thorn in his side. Really, for two dollars a week, he was going to keep putting up with me. I, I guess he wanted your business, and uh, it, you know, and it's funny because you get this in this podcast. You get movie trivia and kind of, uh, I guess conversations about red from that 70s show which i'm guessing have you seen the 90s show yeah i liked it you dig it it's cute i was a fan of it though but uh that's also segues because i'm bad at segues <laughs> into our title card hi everybody welcome to amazing ordinary people extraordinary stories i forgot the title there yeah but uh i'm tristan and this is my good friend slash comedy sensei keith lowell jensen keith can you say hi to everybody hey what's up yeah, I um funny story, so I'll I'll be brief. Uh I I don't know Keith too well, but I've known him comedy-wise for at least a good couple of times. The very first time I've ever done stand-up at the SAC comedy spot, I graduated high school. I did an open mic there. You were there hosting, and I don't know if you remember this, but you actually wrote notes for me. Uh, I did like a Mr. Tumnus joke. I kind of looked like um do you remember Chronicles of Narnia? Oh, yeah. I looked like uh, the, the the goat guy, essentially. And that was just like my constant nickname in high school. And that that bit sold. It did well. And then flash forward, like I think like seven, six years later, I signed up for his comedy class. And that was just such a wonderful that was a magic night, dude. And I thinking about it, like that was literally right before COVID. We were sitting down talking about like, yeah, you think everyone's going to be better? You think everyone think we're going to get through this? And then. 
shut down, you know? So, but uh, yeah, he's a very, very famous comedian, multiple comedy albums, toured with a lot of famous comedians before. You may have heard him. And if you haven't, you should check out his specials. He very said, hi, Keith. I uh, Thanks for getting coming on the show. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. I mean, I, uh, and, and this is kind of where I always like talking to my guests about it, though. It's like, we can always talk about so much because I can talk about movies. I can talk about that 70s show. We can also talk about comedy. I mean, uh, I, I am, because I'm so insecure and I have to let you know about it. <laughs> like, I was really, I didn't think I'd get you on the show. Just because, like, I thought, like, you're, I'll be frank, a little, like, you're too, way too famous for me. Like, I need at least a good 20 more episodes before I could have landed you. And I got you. So I'm. <laughs> I, I felt I felt good about that. Oh, but now you're going to be real disappointed in the uh, response to it. Oh my god! Prep for that next. That's the next <laughs> emotion on this roller coaster ride. I'm, I'm always down to sit down and chat with a friend. I mean, if you called me up and said, "Let's go get a cup of coffee," that would have been fine too. I would have made you buy. But oh, dude, I mean, do you, do you like annoying teenagers and bright outfits? Saying, "How how's your day, bro?" It's Dutch Bros. Essentially, that's where I'd take you. Oh, yeah. No, we wouldn't go to Dutch Bros. Oh, would, my gosh. <laughs> I would move you over to a real coffee shop. It is time for you to graduate up to Temple or, uh, you know what, even Pete's if you wanted to stay with the corporate. Okay. I mean, uh, I, I feel like Pete's is just like the suburban, I got to pick up the kids from soccer practice kind of coffee where it's, you know. But they make a decent cup of coffee. Oh, absolutely. 100% though. Like I said, it's like you have a cashmere sweater while you're drinking it, like that you're wearing that. Um, I would absolutely love a cashmere sweater. I had a pair of cashmere socks once. So oh my great. gosh. Wow. Like fancy. Well, it was a present. <laughs> let's, let's, let, let, let's segue. So, I mean, well, you know, I was just, I was always kind of curious though. So we could talk about comedy. You can't talk about a bit of your specials, though, but I mean, you've been doing, I guess, how, how long have you been doing stand-up? I think about 25 years. Okay. So Karen Anderson was um, my comedy sensei, which, by the way, I really like that term, comedy sensei. I've got another former student who calls me uh, comedy guru. Okay. All right. <clears throat> but um, Karen Anderson was mine. I took a class from her a million years ago. She had a kid right around that time. So whenever I'm not sure how long I've been doing comedy, I go check how old her kid is. <laughs> and my comedy career is as old as her kid. It's probably like my age or might even be your age, dude. Our, what's that? The kid might even, I was thinking could be my age, probably might even be your age as uh, the kid. Uh, it's like if I've been doing comedy since I was born? Oh, sure. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, see, that wouldn't work. The kid the kid would have to be <laughs> Uh, younger than me because I didn't I didn't start until my late 20s I got a late start in comedy but I don't regret it because I did so many other things that I think I wouldn't have done if I had found comedy sooner and you definitely think like looking back you think it was always there because I mean you seem like a the funny guy I mean like talking about the KF scene hand scene I mean bro like it, it was in your blood yeah you might as well been doing comedy since you came out the womb dude but I was also it, very serious i was i was a poet uh you know uh, i wanted to be a tortured artist an artist <laughs> and, yeah i remember the first time someone called me a class clown and they meant it as a compliment but i i was like no that's not who i am i'm the class poet i'm serious i'm the, I'm the class sensitive artist so yeah. him calling me a class clown as a compliment 
actually worked backwards and and hurt my feelings. And then years later, some friends of mine called me sensitive artist from the King Missile song, Sensitive Artist, which if you don't know, is a great song by King Missile who had the hit with Detachable Penis. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Which I, when I found that song, that's a weird fucking song. They're so bizarre beyond that. And they're, and their lead singer, I forget his name right now, but he was like, instrumental in helping the whole slam poetry thing start uh i mean a neat guy but so my my friends heard the song sensitive artist and they were like that's keith that's keith and they meant that as an insult and it was the opposite of, of the class clown thing what was meant as an insult was a huge compliment i was like absolutely that's me oh yeah <laughs> like that's much much more the way i wanted to be seen well and well i will say this bringing that up it's, it's so interesting you mentioned about the sensitive artist and not wanting to be comedy because i mean isn't it kind of so true how tragedy and comedy really are like two sides of the same coin yeah i'm trying to remember the old quote about uh uh comedy is when a tragedy is when i trip and drop my groceries comedy is when you fall in a manhole and die (laughs) (laughs) good that's great hell yeah (laughs) yeah that was but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely like like the whole, you know, someday we'll look back and laugh, you know. Uh, and, and I suffer from embarrassment really bad. Like one of the worst things that I can feel is embarrassment. I hate being embarrassed. Okay. And yet you do something embarrassing and you look around and hope that no one saw it. But then that night you go on stage and talk about it. And there's almost a way of like reclaiming it and taking power over it. Well, therapeutic there. almost. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely think there's a lot. Well, I think that about most art, that there's something in there that's therapeutic. Well, I mean, that's even what you told me. It's like when you bomb, when you kind of fudge up on a bid, or like you said, you do something embarrassed, you need to own it because it's almost when you own it, it just, it becomes funny. It becomes like, it's like it no longer hurts me now. It's this thing that, again, was this tragic thing that becomes mine and I get power from it comedy yeah i call it a bomb response and i don't know that i coined that phrase i probably picked it up somewhere but if 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 you bomb on stage and you can respond to it acknowledge it acknowledge is a huge word in stand-up no. uh, if you can acknowledge it and respond to it it the audience will laugh i mean John, johnny carson would just go bombo and that alone would get a huge laugh because you Comedy is creating tension, relieving it in a surprising way. When you bomb, you created tension. You didn't intend to, but you did. Now, if you relieve that tension, even just by acknowledging it, I've seen comedians pull out their set list and go, okay, I won't tell that one again. That's, you know, thank you for the test marketing. Anything where you acknowledge it, half of what they used to do before late sh- late night shows got so, talk shows got so political uh half of their lines were responding to bombing yeah um knocking on the microphone johnny carson's golf swing uh blaming the writers all of that was just you know because they have to do a monologue every night so you know that a good percentage of it's gonna bomb that's just the way it works hit and a miss which man i mean even even kind of touched on so many little bits right there of this little political scene though i mean uh late night host though i the, the problem is johnny made the shoes Right. Granted, I'm I'm trying to think about, you know, like other like, you know, other kind of uh, talk show hosts or other like, like people who did that kind of stuff. Though, but I mean, do you think even anyone today holds a candle or at least was getting there, or getting closest to kind of making their own it's so, like impact? It's so different. I mean, I like 
most of them. But with it going so political, which I don't disagree with at all, it's just they never bomb because sometimes they get a laugh. But the jokes that maybe would have been a bomb or whatever instead get an applause. Because even if it's not funny, we agree with the sentiment behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I like folks that are on tonight. It's unfortunately still not a very diverse group. <laughs> I was just thinking it's a uh, white guy, white guy, white guy, British white guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's still almost all white dudes. Right. But I, I love uh, John Oliver. Uh, did I say his name right? Yeah, no, that's a British okay. white guy. Yep, that's a, yeah. It's not with John Oliver. Uh, I, I think he's absolutely brilliant. And in fact, of the whole current batch, I would say he's probably the one that makes me laugh the okay. most consistently. Um, you know, but again, super, super political. Yeah, it's, I will say respectfully, I don't think I really kind of gave him enough. Like, I've seen like a hot take or two, you know, Facebook politics, you know, somebody be like, yeah, you go John Oliver. And then you got like the, you know, blue Blue Lives Matter, but you see, you see what the skinny, skinny limey is saying about, you know, <laughs> black Ariel from Little Mermaid. It's just it <laughs> eye roll kind of thing. But I, I, you stand by it. I'll, I'll check it out. You have at least a personal favorite bit he does, or like when you're like, okay, you check this one out. You'll enjoy this one. Um, and if you don't, that's okay because we have like a tw- 30 more questions to get through, and like. <laughs> you're doing a good (laughs) listen man you talk you talked about having a a great memory and and i'm the opposite and it's getting worse as i get older although uh and and this is gonna sound like a joke but it's not Uh, i think it's been bad for longer than i realized but i forgot i forgot that my memory's bad always been bad uh because sometimes my wife will remind me (laughs) she's like no you've Always been like this. I was like, really? Like, oh, really? Okay. Oh, that that's nice, dear. I didn't remember that I have a bad memory. <laughs> but yeah. So are you um that's a bit, dude. That's a solid bit. I mean, that's a good throwaway <laughs> one if you haven't used it already. I actually went, I I went to the doctor and asked about it, and she gave me the little memory test, probably very similar to the one Trump took where he was so proud that he memorized six words. <laughs> but I, it was so like I was like, no, this got more. <laughs> Must be something going on. That's uh it's and and we'll we're gonna we're out in the weeds. We're gonna get back on the road. I uh, just if we we're talking about memory, I just saw the notebook recently because I never seen that before. I've never seen it. It but you kind of get the gist of it, right? Yeah. It, yep. You know, woman love story, uh, Alzheimer's, that kind of stuff. And good, good for him for, uh, so he apparently re- goes in every day or week and reads their love story to her, but she doesn't remember until sometimes she does remember and she's lucid. She's like, Oh dear Bobby, like how long have I been out? And it's romantic. And then five minutes goes by and she's like, who are you? Why is there poop in my pants? Get me out of here. Run. It's, yeah. it's sad. It's, 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 funny it's got ryan gosling in it you know all the good stuff but uh i guess i brought that up is because you're i guess you're gonna be the alzheimer patient and you, hopefully your wife will read yeah your love story uh, or something like that like remember robocop keith <laughs> 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 oh my god dear yeah but uh comedy comedy segues let's uh let's uh oh my god i i got so far out to the weed i forgot what original questioner where we were going like oh yeah um talk show host 
talking about that. I think I'm a Jimmy Kimmel guy myself. I think the guy's got a lot of talent. I'll give him that, like the way he sings, the way he jokes. I, I think if I could choose a late night guy, I'd say give it to Jimmy Kimmel. Wait, not Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Fallon. Fallon. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Too many Jimmy's on. Jimmy Kimmel, and I so didn't want to. I was so, uh, since my internet connection is unstable, so I hope this sounds okay. No, you, you've been coming in perfect, by the way. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, while we're talking, close some windows so that my computer is less taxed. I've shut all the windows I can. You were talking about Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, yeah, I really like him. I've really come around on him. He's uh, he's managed to impress me. And Fallon, I think I've gone the opposite direction. I really liked Fallon at first. I saw an interview he did before he was the host. Mm. He interviewed uh, Drew Barrymore. And they like went to a baseball game and stuff. And I, I would was just like wow this guy's really charming like i really and he seems really sincere yeah and now him and it's it's this ricky gervais thing where you laugh too much and i'm like okay nothing going on here is that funny Mm. like it just feels forced and insincere and uh so yeah he bugs me but he's got the roots but he's got the roots as his house band, which is amazing. So, mm-hmm. so that's pretty. Cool. I, uh, I, no, I, I love me some, uh, some quest love, and, uh, and God, we got to get back on the road because we keep getting deeper into this <laughs> random conversation woods, and it's my fault, really. I just, I love talking about everything, so I'm just like, you want to talk about the roots? Okay, this is my favorite song, but, uh, <laughs> ah, no, nah, I, uh, and 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 thank thanks thanks Keith but uh yeah no so comedy late night hosts I mean okay I guess this is something we can talk about so you, you're mentioning kind of about you weren't always a comedian you were that tortured artist which I love it because I mean I think in a sense a lot of comedians are because we talk about some pretty serious things and we kind of put our pain out there and right here's a fun question I'll ask it's has there ever been a bit too personal. Like, have you ever maybe talked about something that was maybe a painful experience or tragic moment for you that maybe it started off really painful and you're like, I don't know if I can share this with people. And then you ironed it out to become a good bit, or maybe you could never iron it out and it never became a bit because of how traumatic or messed up it was. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I don't. I don't go real deep into my relationship. And the reason is my my comedy is unapologetically one-sided. I mean, I refer to it as autobiographical fan fiction. I feel a loyalty to my wife and to my daughter that I will never throw them under the bus for a bit or for a laugh. So to try to do material about the, the difficulties that we have in a relationship, I think some people that follow me on social media and stuff have a uh, they have a, a false sense of just how rosy things are here in Keithland, but you know we're normal humans. We fight, and sometimes uh, being a father is very difficult. And I I almost wish that I could talk about that more because I think it's good to to paint a realistic picture and to show both sides. And but it the, the challenge is to do it in a way that uh, is is more self-deprecating and 
you know, they didn't ask to air their dirty laundry. I mean, sure, I like I was saying earlier, I take every embarrassing thing that happens to me and I put it out there. One time I was talking about my daughter's frog dying. <laughs> okay. Her pet frog. And and that, you know, I thought was I was being pretty considerate in how I presented the whole thing, but she heard me do that bit and she I can't believe you're talking about that. That's not funny. That's so sad. I loved uh, Mr. Giblet, sir. I'm trying to think what his name was. Hippity Hoppity. Hippity Hoppity. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, she didn't like that story. She didn't like that I was telling that story. And and I thought that she would, you know. Uh, other stories about her and funny things that she says or the fact that she roasts me all the time she loves. But <laughs> So anyway, yeah, so that that's a place where I... I kind of maybe steer away from personal material that I could do more with. Which um, I respect because it like that's, I feel like that's how you keep, even though it's not all rosy glasses and Keithland, it stays at least, I don't know, I think of better word than bearable. Like um, it maintains well that your, your life's going well because you're not airing out that dirty laundry. Like you're kind of working out hard issues through other means by not saying it. And, I think maybe that answers the question in a sense is that sometimes there are stuff you shouldn't joke about. I think comedy can touch on a lot of things, but some things people don't really need to know that. Right. And, you know, when uh, when Louis C.K. would uh, call his kids idiots and assholes. Tell me why. It was just he didn't call them idiots. He called them like a fucking like asshole or bitch. Exactly. Just... He called them assholes. He used the word asshole a lot, which is... <laughs> And and it was funny, and it was funny, and it was also like, oh no, I think you might have cut out, bud. No, yo Keith, you completely cut out. This might have been the internet. Oh no, Keith. Okay, Keith, you there, bud? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Okay, you, hear you? you completely stopped. You said kids are assholes, and you froze. <laughs> now that now that's taken way out of context. <laughs> okay um, i'm gonna make i'm gonna turn wi-fi off on my phone i'm doing everything i can to be pulling less from our wi-fi here i appreciate that i will tell you well it's that half time out uh we got about eight minutes left i think we could probably keep talking about because uh, what you're doing is great this is exactly what uh, i think people should hear because it's how do you skate that fine line between again telling people about your reality but not enough for it to like you mentioned hurt people so we can talk more about that eventually i resend you the link um just kind of doing a middle check-in with you how you feeling yeah i'm good can you believe it's been 30 minutes already amazing dude these things fly by so i i know you said you had an hour but can i then I can pull you a little bit longer can we just can we do a we'll see coach we'll see ah, i'll take it okay okay so uh, yes, you were saying um, kids are assholes. You know, when, when Louis says that, I think we all have those times where we're frustrated with our children and we all relate to feeling that way. It's funny. And I don't, I'm not saying this to criticize him for saying it, but I see that and I'm like, I couldn't go on stage and say something that if my daughter saw it would hurt her feelings so much. Yeah. You know, and, and it doesn't matter if maybe it wouldn't hurt her feelings as much later if she sees it when she's 16 or 18 uh, i don't want to say it to her then when she's eight uh and she would hate it <laughs> you know? no 
Absolutely. And then God forbid she takes into a teenager and it, she, it like becomes a fun little trauma characteristic where it's like, now you guys have a weird relationship. So it's, I, I thought it was so weird on the new Chris Rock special when he says that he went to his daughter's principal <laughs> and said, you need to kick her out of school. And then he said, and she doesn't know I did this. She'll find out right now when she sees this on Netflix. And I was like, oh, ouch, I'm watching a father daughter relationship become horrible in real time. Like, but, that was amazing. See, but the thing, the difference between you and your daughter and Chris Rock and his daughter is that Chris Rock is filthy fucking rich. And I'm saying this as a man who doesn't have kids. I want kids, but I can only imagine a disgusting amount of money because this would ruin your child. Because didn't she, like, get drunk at Disneyland or get, like, kicked out of school for something dumb? Yeah, drinking somewhere where they weren't supposed to be drinking. And, and was it her asshole, like excuse or like dad just get a lawyer with your disgusting amount of money like right, right. yeah that's the thing is like like i don't disagree with the decision he made nor is that even relevant to you know i mean he parenting his way whatever the part of it that threw me was the part of she doesn't know i did this and she's gonna find out right now with um you know millions uh, of other people watching this instead of just telling her when it happened okay Something that, that has to do with her personal life and her business. Uh, I was like, wow, if that's true, that's really messed up. Well, no, but no, and I, I agree. Cause I mean, hey, I mean, I don't, that's the only downside is we only see Netflix Chris Rock. We don't see how, you know, home life Chris Rock is. I mean, it's obviously not going that well that she's getting turned and getting kicked out of school. And I'm telling her she should get kicked out and blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> yeah, it was, there was, it, it, it just was a very like dysfunction not like playfully presenting dysfunction either i think he was presenting that part as something he was proud of <laughs> you know and again i don't think he made the wrong decision telling the principal yeah of course she needs to be kicked out because yeah. she probably did i mean well that's and i you know what i i know we're talking about comedy but i'm i'm very curious because uh, me and my wife, I'll, I'll say this, I won't edit this out, we got a little bit of baby fever, and we've been, you know, talking about being parents and stuff, and I mean, it's, it does suck that, you know, and I even hate saying this about, even bringing up Bill Cosby, but like, being a dad is probably one of the hardest and most funniest things you could ever do, I think, as a comedian. Right. You'd agree? Yeah, um... It was so funny. My friend Tapon was teasing me saying that I just had a kid because, you know, I hit a point where I needed the material. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it, I mean, because how I mean, I this is private. How old is your kid? Uh, oh, Max is 13. OK, you have a teenager, dude. Oh, my God. No wonder she's roasting you. I mean, is she really oh, meet at the mean stage now or where is she at as the uh... she was born a teenager? OK, <laughs> I don't. And there's a part of me that tries not to believe in that whole phenomenon mm -hmm. because I do think, I mean, stuff happens in the teenage years for sure. And there's hormones and brain development, but I do feel like a lot of the teenage thing we've manufactured, uh, self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Yeah, um, uh, absolutely. So, so she was always a teenager, but I mean, I guess that's why I'll really say it and, and forgive me. I, um, uh, because I added you on like Facebook around a couple of years ago, and I didn't even know you had a kid. I, I when I added you, I found out about Max, and I got to see you 
Keith, I'm so proud of you. When I saw you started playing Skyrim, I'm like my little my <laughs> my comedy teacher's being a gamer. He's making it happen, and uh, it's I, I I think I got to say you and like her hang out and play and stuff. And it, I mean, she seems like a really fun, cool person. And oh, she's the best. I, I think I think what you mentioned is like if you don't self fulfill prophecy, if you don't say I have an asshole kid, they won't become an asshole. It's like if you love them and treat them with respect they'll be you know mean sometimes but they're gonna be just the best i i, I don't know i don't have i'm not i don't have a kid i'm not a dad i got yeah don't know if any of this is true but i think the, the one thing i've learned being a parent for a little while is that going into it i was like if i do things right it'll make things easier and that's not true I almost think if you do things right, it makes things harder. Um, I think that a parent who's a real jerk and kind of suppresses you probably gets a kid who's easier to raise. They're just messed up later. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they, yes, sir, no, sir. And, you know, sometimes things would happen and I would say to my wife, I would never talk to my dad that way or I would never do that. And my wife said, why? And I said, because I was afraid of getting my ass beat. And my wife Mm -hmm. said, okay. Is that what you want? You want her to be afraid? And I was like, no. no. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's it's like just trying to give them so they have a, a resilience and and a really like solid, stable foundation. Uh when they go out into the world and it kicks them around, they know that they have a good, solid, stable place at home as much as you're able. Yeah. Um is the secret and and get ready for a rocky ride uh becoming and going from from infant to adult is a very long difficult transition it's going to be hard for you it's going to be hard for the people around you and i almost think being a good parent you kind of share that burden with them rather than breaking their spirit so that it's easier for you I just think the difference between other parents and comedian parents is that because they that's they know that's your persona. They know you're all about being funny. And then they kind of learn from you. So you're essentially making your own roast machine. Like you're just make you're just making just the person that's gonna constantly clown you. And you're like, fucking damn it, you're right. Like I'm so mad at you because you're right. (laughs) Oh, it's the worst when she'll like really just take me apart and then I can't <laughs> help but laugh and then she thinks it's okay because I'm laughing and I'm like no you're still in trouble Hell yeah. I'm gonna laugh. Hell I knew yeah. you were funny but there's there's no funny doesn't equal a get out of jail free card I said okay really okay that's I'm glad you said that but by the way <laughs> it's gonna end I'm gonna send you a link we'll just jump right back into it okay so just a second all right uh and start recording this but I might edit this part out just because um, I, uh, I kind of I've asked I've, we dude and uh, okay okay I I got it you having a good time I'm having a this I'm having such a great time I'm I'm enjoying a hey, okay rock and roll it's uh because I dude I don't get to talk like really deep stuff and then deep stuff about comedy like I really don't do comedy that much but like I you and I kind of like we get it you know like it's it's a uh, such a fun. Well, I guess I really don't get it, but it's such a fun business in the fact that you're getting to share your thoughts, your feelings. It's like poetry kind of stuff where you get to just put yourself out there, but it's very difficult doing that or doing that as a persona, doing that with kids. Like, it's just, this is, I don't get to walk these kind of legs, if that makes sense. 
Like sometimes I have people who um, find out I'm a comedian, and the way they interact with me completely uh, change, completely ruined uh, by them knowing I'm a comedian. Like I, I had a boss. I was working as a social worker, and I had a boss who was mean to me all the time. Like, and she was such a sweetheart and someone I really looked up to. But then she would say little insulting things to me. And finally, I had a coworker who I, I was close with, who was also really close with that boss. And I asked about it. And she said, that's her playing. She's trying <laughs> to be funny. And she just sucks at it. <laughs> she's just mean. <laughs> but it really helped me to hear that. To be like, okay. oh, okay. She's just bad at, you know, something that I take for granted. That, you know, <laughs> I okay. Can I ask an honest question? Did I yeah. did I do that? Yeah. Like you you ask you can ask an honest question. I no say. no no. I guess I asked this. Did I change knowing oh, you're a comedian? That was the question. Okay. Yeah. Um. N- no. I I think because you and I met already with uh that established. You, okay. Well, and and you were a fan of comedy and you had some innate ability that led you to want to pursue it. She was not someone who was ever going to pursue it. She was just bad at it. I think that you even before you necessarily decided to be a comedian, you were a fan of comedy. You you kind of studied it and looked at how it worked and got to that point that made you think, "Okay, I want to try to do this," you know. Right. Well, no, it's funny cuz like that very like conversation we just had about people completely changing when someone finds out whether they do comedy or they like comedy or love comedy that i think sometimes even that switches on in my brain where like i just i'm noticing more of this consciously i do this but i'll find out someone's a comedian and i'll just try to be funny Okay, so comedians do, and especially more established comedians, whether that means, you know, higher up in their career, or maybe even just more, you know, miles on the road. Right. Um, they do talk about the, the people who are always on. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's not a good thing. Because <laughs> you need to let it breathe, like 100%. Like, if you're constantly going like that, either some material's not going to land, or it's just, that's just exhausting. To just, yeah. yeah, and it's like, oh, hey, can we just hang out? Like, if something <laughs> organically funny comes up, share it, but don't try so hard. <laughs> You know, and every once in a while, it's really nice if you hang out with a bunch of comedians and you just had a really good show, then after the show, you might still be on all of you. Yep. Yeah. You know, firing on all cylinders and you are just sitting there trading barbs with each other. And and you're just you're fucking cheesing. Just you're having a great time because exactly everyone's just they're on. But you can't force that. Other times you just want to like chill and get your head together before the show and maybe play some video games and it's like could you stop trying so hard to be could you just could you calm the fuck down and just eat your sandwich or just like (laughs) (laughs) it oh man and uh and that well this is funny because it's like i half i guess that's for me it's i can't this is going to be the confusing statement. Like the way I think is like, it's kind of black and white. It's kind of like, who's telling me what I'm saying? Am I doing it? Is my brain doing it? Like who's doing the thinking, if that makes sense? Is it me? Okay. Or is it the batch of hormones? Is it bio- biological or is it right, right. logical? So I guess I'm bringing this up. Is it like, who's being the funny? Am I being funny because I am? Am I being funny because I'm trying to be funny? Kind of like, does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's certainly nothing wrong with trying to be funny. Yeah. But it's also like, okay, this is going to be a weird analogy. But as a please, as a Burning Man, and I saw a bunch of mimes (laughs) standing around, and they were standing around talking (laughs) and thinking I was clever. I walked up to him and I said, hey, you guys aren't supposed to be talking. (laughs) And they all looked at me sour. And then the one that was like their leader, said we're on vacation asshole <laughs> and i thought oh my god they set me up i was like that was so brilliant oh god uh, and and so i walked away and like the minute i was five feet away i turn around and i see some other guy the, the next victim walk up and go hey are you guys <laughs> supposed to be talking <laughs> they did their little bit all over again uh I loved it so much, but I also loved the idea of mimes being on vacation. And I kind of feel like that's how comedians feel when they're saying that someone is trying too hard or always on. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're on break. Like, you can just chill. We're just trying to relax. You know, I completely thought you, I, I forgot you mentioned that was analogy just because that's, that's funny. Because like. Oh, they were so clever. That, I thought that was so great. So I love a setup that makes you unwittingly play a part in the joke <laughs> you know you, you've heard the one what do you what do you call a black person who can fly an airplane uh, a pilot a pilot you racist yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like i love jokes like that that just put you accidentally in the driver's seat exactly like you're like you thought we're going someplace we're not you bad person come on right. like. <laughs> you just suck well, it's what's even funnier about that bit. If we let's peel the onion back one more layer, you said Burning Man. So, like, when I think Burning Man, I think crazy amount of drugs and hallucinogenics, which maybe you weren't on. No, I <laughs> there were no mimes, it all happened in Pete's head. Uh, no, I was that weird sober guy at Burning Man. No, like you're you're helpful because you're the th- you're the pillar that's real when people are tripping and they're like, right. oh, I'm an excellent co-pilot. Sometimes one time a bunch of people decided to do mescaline and go see uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, my God. That's awful. Holy shit. They would have. Well, how, how were they? How did they do? Damn it. It stopped again. It record. Oh, OK, sorry. You got to go back a little bit. Dude, I gotta I gotta help upgrade your internet, my guy, because uh, this was. It, it's not, yeah, it's not always like this. It's it's just the last like it was bad, and then the last few months it's been great, and then the last week it's been or like the last few days actually it's been hit or miss again. You think it's because of the weather? You're still in sack, right? Could be, yeah. Is it as scary as everyone? Everyone's mentioning the winds are like disgusting. Yeah, we had we had one big windstorm that took some trees down. Uh, but it hasn't been too bad in Sacramento at all. You know, we get like one of those per year anyway, it seems. Yeah, that's Just true. a little south of here in Wilton got really bad. Mm. Uh, like a few places got got some flooding, but okay. Sacramento has been fine. But, you know, just little, sometimes you're just like, please stop raining. <laughs> I, well, bro, I can't have that thought anymore because I'm in Portland and it's always I, raining. I had to I had to forget that idea, that thought of please stop raining to it's just going to rain forever. And I have to accept that. Like, ah, oh, dude, it's ultra sad boy up here. It's um, <laughs> I I do enjoy it sometimes. But like I. Let's just say like I rewatched The Shining and I get it. Right. <laughs> like when the weather sucks enough and you're by yourself and, you know, all you want to get an axe. Mm-hmm. 
all work and no play makes Homer go something something. Hmm. Go crazy? Don't mind mind if I do! (laughs) A classic. Uh, I'm so mad. Well, okay, hey, I'm going to go back to my original joke about Burning Man. If I was on mushrooms or some type of psychedelics and I saw mimes talking, I'd be like, cosmically, there's something wrong here. Like, there's supposed to be like, okay, come on, guys. Like, am I tripping? Is the world going crazy? I'm watching mimes talk. Have I finally opened up my third eye or... Or are they just on vacation? <laughs> no, nope, just a silly punchline to a joke. There you <laughs> go. Ah, ah, um, but oh yeah, so I was talking about I I was the uh, designated sober driver for a bunch of people on mescaline who went to see uh, Fear and Loathing. Fear and Loathing with Johnny Depp, and uh, it backfired on me so bad. They were all sure that I was messing with them. And then they were sure that I was driving crazy. I was like, you guys, I am just driving the van. There's normal. We're going to Denny's, you know. (laughs) Uh, Then we get to Denny's and they're like, oh, my God, Keith's messing with the person seating us. I was like, I'm really not. I'm being polite and normal. They thought you were on, dude. They thought you were just, you were just. Yeah. (laughs) And And I honestly wasn't. I was like, you know, I was there to be an audience member mostly and try to keep them out of trouble. But I, we didn't even end up you know, having our Denny's experience, I had to like take them back to this uh, warehouse where we all hung out. And oh, were they just off. being too much? Like you couldn't Yeah, even... well, it wasn't even that they were being too much. It's that they were so sure that I was messing with them. And I was like, guys, I'm so not messing with you. I just want to enjoy my moons over my hammy, bro. Like, come on. Drug addled morons, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I'm imagining even taking mescaline and watching because I haven't seen that movie. I saw it for the first time my entire life about three years ago. And I was also very high on marijuana. But like just the scene where it's um Del Toro. Is it Benicio? What's the what's his name? Yep, Benicio Del Toro. So him and like oh, you're asking his character's name? Well, sure. I he's mainly the, the actor. The lawyer. Yeah. Oh God. My what attorney. an asshole. I, I was just this the scene where he just had the knife and it was just so scary. Like, is, is he going to fucking kill Johnny Depp? And then just like, it's such a claustrophobic scene. And now I'm high on mescaline and it's like, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a fun experience. That sounds like a terrifying experience. No, you know what? A lot of the movies, the, the most famous, like, do it on drugs movies are so dark. Like, people yep. like the wall. Why on earth would someone want to watch that while i'm having a trip that sounds terrible it's uh or as i like to call it uh the 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 news the modern news right you know someone rising up above and uh inspiring a bunch of fascist hammers you know and oscar sex flowers oscar was the name of the attorney was it okay okay so all right i um i you know this is a fun conversation substances while comedians and substances i mean so you have have you always been just the sober sally like the good just no no um just since like my late 20s but i think it was uh as i became a comedian Mm -hmm. um two things were happening one is if i would drink i found that it just kind of made me really tense Mm. including physically like my neck would tighten up and stuff so i was finding i wasn't enjoying it Okay. So I just stopped. Um, but the other was I would get kind of 
panicky and agitated. And what I attributed that to at the time was that for the first time in my life, I had a work ethic. I became mm. a comedian and I was so driven to be, um, to do it. Yeah. So even just like, even though I was off uh, drinking, I felt like I wasn't as sharp. I, I wasn't observing things as well. I was, and I think that made me kind of like feel like I wasn't uh, working. Yeah. On being the best comedian I could be. It's like if you're drinking on the job, though. I mean, like you might be cruising, might be doing all right, but you're definitely not. Right. Probably, like you said, being as best as you can be. And so this job was a job that I felt I was always doing, even if, even just the observation part of it. And you never knew when that funny premise or punchline was going to come to you. But I, I was sure it wasn't going to come to me while I was drinking, which which I know isn't true for everyone. I know some people, uh, it loosens them up a little and they maybe write better. That just wasn't the case with me. And alcohol is such a dangerous kind of topic because some people, maybe that's the case, but then they start getting drinking too much though. And then, you know, I mean, right. think of how many people you lost to alcohol and partying right? Uh, who were comedians. I mean, but, but it wasn't with me, it wasn't like I was an alcoholic and I wasn't worried about addiction at that point in my late twenties, I kind of knew that. I didn't have that particular issue. That's good. I, I had experienced addiction with other things, with cigarettes, and well, I believe it or not, with Coca Cola. I'm probably addicted to coffee now. In fact, no, probably I'm very much a coffee addict now. Like I know what addiction feels like with some lesser things, and I and I didn't have that with alcohol. It, it's so funny how it can be hard to explain to people that you don't do something just because you don't enjoy it. Mm. Because with alcohol, that blows people's minds. They're like, you don't drink, but you're not an alcoholic. You're not in recovery. I'm like, yeah, there really is a possibility to just decide you don't enjoy something. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So for instance, the same. I'm, I'm very much not an alcoholic. I don't even think I really like, every time I take a shot, it's always just like, I have this like little twitch or like I'm I'm, I'm about to have a, a, a stroke, but it, right. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I, it's just, and why? It tastes like shit. Yeah, you feel a little warm in the face, but then you have to keep doing it or you get a headache le later. It's just, right. yeah, it, I don't have to. I'm good, you know? The nice thing is I can have a sip of whiskey if I have a sore throat. Okay. Um, you know, not not having to worry about the recovery addiction side of it. If me and my wife are out for a night and she wants me to have, I'll have like a quarter glass of wine. Like, um, But mostly because, you know, my wife wants to have a glass of wine with her husband. Right. I'm so sure, I'll, I'll try a sip. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I feel it's funny you even mention that because I think I'm the same things with my wife though. Like, does your so knowing that you don't drink, does your wife always kind of like, honey, can you just can you have one drink tonight? Just you know, just just us. No, not really. But every once in a while, she'll say like, oh, you want to try this? Like she remembers when I did drink, like what I liked in wine. Okay. Yeah. She's like, oh, you might like a sip of this, and I'll try. And be like, yeah, I can see that that tastes good. So I don't really drink, and there's this place, if you come up to Portland, called Raven's Manor. And anyone listening, because I forgot we're doing a podcast, uh, it's this, I'll send you pictures, it's it's this, like, haunted house restaurant bar. Okay, that sounds dope. Where, like, there's creepy aesthetic, can uh, just candles everywhere, and the drinks come out with, like, uh, white ice, like, with fog machine stuff, and they serve it in, like, test tubes. You feel like you're Dr. Jekyll drinking like the potion to turn in Mr. Hyde. There's a nice. the bathroom looks like you're going to get murdered. It smells like someone got murdered in there. It's uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll send you pictures of it though. It's cute. And uh, can you believe they have a $75 drink? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I am every day just thrilled that I, I grew up during one of the bigger like anti consumer youth movements. Dare? The whole like punk DIY scene of the late 80s, early 90s. So great. Um, Tell me more about it, like, because that's like the straight edge stuff, right? No, no, no. Um, just the the do it yourself, the like go to thrift stores and uh, dress cool by putting together an outfit that cost you five bucks because you <laughs> found stuff that other people threw away. Hell yeah! I feel like think like a seventy five dollar drink. I feel like you're paying seventy five dollars. That's actually part of your enjoyment of it. Is you're like. You know, ooh, I bought the $75 drink. There's nothing in it that justifies it being $75. Exactly. In my opinion, I remember buying records at, at Records on K, which was, it's um, DJ Shadow's album that has a picture of the record store. That's the mm-hmm. record store. Records okay. on K, Sacramento was this legendary record store. And Ed, the old man there, liked me and my friend Patrick, because Patrick would buy like old bluegrass records and stuff. And I was always buying old comedy records. And uh, so Ed thought, you know, it was neat, young people like ourselves at the time buying these these old classics. And he would give us crazy discounts. I'm talking like a, a record marked 40 bucks he'd sell to us for five dollars, you know. Right. And one day I'm in line and uh, everyone in front of me is paying like fifty dollars to sixty dollars for their piles of records. It was close to Christmas. Oh, and, and, and they had like a pile of records and it was only 60 bucks. Uh, well, I told that I said, you want to just put these aside, we'll come back from later, because I didn't think he would want to give us our discounts in front of the other people, right. you know, they'd complain. And he's like, don't worry about it. And rings us all up. We pay like 20 bucks each and walk out with our records. Holy shit. That's awesome. And, and like, so you later, probably got like I, some good stuff there, too. Yeah. And I said, hey, man, weren't you worried about those other people that they weren't going to want to pay $40 each for their records? And he said, uh, are you kidding? He said that price sticker is their favorite part of the record. That's <laughs> what they're paying for. They want to pull that record out and show their friends. See that? 40 bucks. <laughs> uh, I, I did that. I did that at a record store. I, I, I think I bought 60 bucks on like an original pressing metal album. But it, it's just, it. Yeah. I, I felt gross buying it. I was like, dude, there's so much things I could get for six. I can go to McDonald's 20 times. With just that amount. Although I also I also get it if it's if it's a record that you really aren't going to find cheaper and like I would pay a lot for a piece of music that I couldn't get otherwise. But but I think we've gotten to this point right now where we're just like we like paying a lot for things. We like bottle service, and I, I just think it's gross. It's it's the clout. It's the greed. <laughs> it's the look at how fucking fancy I am. Conspicuous consumption. Exactly. So I am hooking up and um, yeah, I'm hooking up my webcam. So do you still collect records or have you ever kind of gone back to that? No, I've uh, mostly, I, I kind of try to control it. <laughs> it's no, it's very, very good because, um, oh yeah. So this is uh, my office. I'm just gonna say hi. Hey, what's Hello. up? Yeah, good so, to see you. Yeah, no, this is, uh, I, so it's a two bedroom, two and a half bath, and this is my quote unquote office. But that's just like when you, know, you got you got those IKEA shelves that every record collector has. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, they're, they're, here's my babies though. So that's 
punk and ska oh sorry that's by the 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 skeleton dude then there's a metal and then that's rock and roll that's movie scores more rock that's rap r&b undecided i love seeing how different people organize their record collections i'm always fascinated by that what would you uh if you did have them if you were collecting them would you do it by genre or oh i've still got a bunch you know what? Not really. I put all my music in alphabetical and then I have my comedy separate and then I have a se- another separate section for just really weird. Oh, like, OK. I understand. Like, I don't know where to put you kind of thing. Yeah. Or, or you know, where I literally didn't buy this record to listen to it. I bought it because it's just so strange that I love having it. Like I have an album called Guarding America Tonight. That's this like starting america tonight okay it's like super like conservative like 60s record right um, okay i think i have uh spiro agnew's record <laughs> you know strange stuff and then there's stuff that could go in either category like i have uh divine i have her record or his record i, I don't think he is that uh from John Waters, the uh, like his first movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. He went by he him. I think Glenn. Uh, do I put theirs in music, in comedy, or in novelty? They fit all three categories. Right. So every couple of months, I just go move it. You know. There you so. go. Well, so and it's funny. Uh, and oh, man, dude, this has just been the best like conversation because I'm talking about music and love of comedy. I'm talking about all this shit I fucking love. So this is. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a having a lovely time so there's uh comedy albums i know i got more but do you want to hear the ones i've been able to collect so far yeah 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 okay so i got i'll try to like at least organize them so the same artists i have george carlin i think i have two i have class clown nice and toledo window box yep i have both of those okay i got steve martin let's get small great i have i have every steve martin except for the steve martin brothers okay which i've had that i gave to my friend uh is was it steve martin brothers was that like him and dan Aykroyd, like with the doing their character no or was it's, it? it's just him dressed one way on the front as like you know white suit and then on the back is him in like rhinestone jewelry and <laughs> and then the record is him doing comedy on one side and him playing banjo on the other side that sounds so cool. Is that like one of the newer stuff or like, is that right there? No, no, it's super old. Okay. Heck yeah. You know, I kind of appreciate Steve Martin. I, I think I, I I did, but kind of rethinking about it, like the fact that, you know, he did that artist side, he did the comedian side. He was in so many, like, I mean, you got the jerk, you got, I mean, if you want to go with the planes, trans automobiles. I, I love him so much. He's excellent. Well, I got a wild and crazy guy, which, uh, that was actually my mom bought the CD for me when I was a kid. And that was that was really special. I like that. Really good. Uh I don't get no respect. Dot Rodney Dangerfield. Nice. I got Richard Pryor, Bicentennial. I'm not gonna say that word. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Just and uh this is kind of funny thing to talk about comedy-wise. Are there any new comedians that you would give a shout that you've either worked with or you're like this guy is going places, or if not has already gone places and you knew they were going to be like just the best oh uh, yeah i mean there's a bunch um is anyone you can think about right now maybe like got three five names i'm trying to make sure i get his name right i think it's alex edelman, edelman. um and he's working with mike berbiglia berbiglia 
He is one of my favorite comedians. So, heck um, yeah. Okay. You check out Alex Edelman. He has a story about, you know, he's, he's Jewish and he goes to a white supremacist meeting in New York. Oh. The ad. Okay. They actually put an ad out for the meeting that says, uh, you know, do you not feel bad about being white or whatever? Uh, do you refuse to feel bad about being white? He was like, okay, I'm going to go to this meeting. <laughs> Talk to the fellas, see what's going on, you know? Through the whole thing, this whole 20-minute bit is hilarious and uh, intelligent and brilliant. And then it has one of those punchlines where you realize that the entire story, the punchline was being set up and was right in front of you and you didn't see it. Those are my favorite. It's not a cheap trick, as those can sometimes feel like. And even when they're a cheap trick, I love them, like when it's done well. But this one is just, mwah. I mean, as storytelling and as comedy, it's just so effective. It's one of my favorite bits I've ever seen done. I wasn't surprised at all when I heard a short time after I worked with him, I heard that uh, Berbiglia was kind of, was I think, producing his show or was doing something with his show in New York. Um, he's He's amazing. He's really, really good. Dude, that's uh, fantastic. And you even said it. It's uh for me, like, because I'm gonna ask you eventually your Mount Rushmore comedy. I think that's very important. I'm really interested on your choices there. But okay. Berbiglia was one of my heads because I think he's also a really good storyteller and he can also do serious very well. I think have you ever seen a special where he kind of talks about him and his ex or him and his like issue with dealing with, I think. Did he have like sleep paralysis or some like sleeping disease? Yeah. So sleepwalk with me was really good. And I think the yeah. other one you're referring to is um, my uh, girlfriend's boyfriend. boyfriend. I think so. And that might be my favorite thing he's done. That was so good. Great minds think alike, my man. You're in good company. Okay. Oh, let me say another shout out. Uh, I, I'm loving watching Marcella Arguello take off. She just got a thing on HBO Max like a half an hour but you know she's from uh just a little south of sacramento here really and she used to perform at luna's all the time um she looks fun she performed at one of my cd release shows even like she's awesome and i mean there were periods and and not to like overshare her personal story but i think she's always been pretty upfront about it but she went down to la and you know spent plenty of time sleeping in her car and really just went for it with everything she had. And so to see it paying off for someone who's not only deserving of it because of their talent, but also, you know, so willing to do the work and put in the time. It, Cause it's just, it's great seeing those kind of people who really dive headfirst into comedy and then do it well. Like it's, it's just, it's like, hell yeah, dude, you go get that bag and you keep being funny. It's yeah. Because I love comedy and I put a lot of work into it, but I also kind of insisted on striking this balance of, well, I don't, this is the only life I got. I'm going to also enjoy it. <laughs> and I wasn't willing to go down to LA and chase it. And I wasn't willing to sleep in my car. No, I, it's it's well i guess what i was going to say is like that's one thing a question i want to have about for you and god we already have so many half stories started (laughs) (laughs) but i because you were that that sacramento comedian and like yeah you didn't go down to la and that is so much where people have to go to make it big quickly but i mean you i I, i'll just again multiple albums you got specials on on places where they need to be uh and again we're going to have 
you plugging at the very end because I want if if people haven't just loved you by listening to this, if they are and do, they'll we'll tell them where to listen to your stuff to get a bit more, you know, viewers and listeners. But uh, you have a house, you have a life, you're, I mean, do you still work at that job or do you have a job? Do you still do job and comedy? Yeah, I work in in marketing now, so it's at least something creative, which in some ways I tried to avoid. And sometimes I didn't want a creative job because I worried it would tap some of the creative energy that I wanted to put into comedy. Yeah. I think for me, a big part of it was... um, now I'm I'm losing my train of thought. I didn't I didn't want to go down to LA. I felt like LA would would call you when you needed it. Oh, and I, I remember what I wanted to say. I was very influenced by the bands that I listened to. These independent artists, many of whom come from weird places, you know, and kind of represent their local towns. Uh, I I love Fugazi and Minor Threat. Um, Ian McKay. I just brought up Straight Edge, man. And, and is that uh, Minor Threats song? Yeah. Or was that Black Flag? No, that's Minor Threat. There you um, go. So, but you know, Ian McKay being like, don't, if, if everyone that starts going somewhere leaves their town to go to the town where it's happening, your town will never be the town where it's happening. Like, we need to stay and like keep cool art in our own town. And, I think that the independent music scene influenced the way that I do business a lot. And, you know, I work with Johnny Taylor a lot. And I think that that's one of the things we have in common. Both of us are super into uh, like independent music. Right. Which dude, I've never actually seen any of his stuff, by the way. I, I, cause I know how. Oh, you need to correct that. He's, he's, he looks like a, like a punk Santa Claus. <laughs> so actually, okay, honestly, he looks more like a, I'm just gonna say like a youth, uh, a youth pastor. Oh, that's great! I could like I can I could see him just feel like you have your Jesus man, <laughs> all his tattoos and does he have ear piercings too? Uh no, no. I'm imagining. Okay, man, I'm thinking. I'm just imagining black frame glasses, which he has. Uh-huh. Silver spiked hair. He's got silver hair and like a nice kind of pompadourish. Okay. He's remember he might be listening to this, so you gotta you gotta kind of describe him well just so handsome there you go hey there you go uh so but i guess that's what i'm saying it's like you you said it the punk rock roots of do it yourself i admire that you made it your own way because that's the harder thing to do it goes back to talking about kids so it's hard doing the right thing because there's no map for it there's no guarantee things will go the way they are and like you said, you kind of struck this good balance of having your cake and eating it too. You're doing comedy, you're working a job, you pretty much digging the life that you have, and you got a great family, and you're you're really having the best of both worlds, which some people don't get to do that. They're just either all of comedy or all of the job. But man, like, you know, I, I've been doing this a really long time. And for like a good 20 years of it, there was this real battle with feeling unsuccessful really with feeling like you know like i mean just being able to comfortably know that your your rent or now mortgage payment is paid it makes a big difference you stopped a little bit bud it's um froze again wait now you're in now you're in okay so yeah i was just saying there were 20 years where it was really hard like because the money wasn't quite enough to keep the lights on yeah and to really like judge it as worth 
your time career-wise, you know, because you want it to be worth your time artistically, which that was never really an issue. But then also, especially when you have a, a lifelong partner, as I've had. Um, How long have you guys been married? Uh, well, we've been together as a couple for going on 30 years. Rock and roll. Heck yeah. Married for uh, over 14 of those. Okay. But still, dude, rock, like, so, okay. I actually don't know how old you are. Like, I'm trying to do the math on that. You want to you wanna take care of your partner. You don't want her sleeping in the car with you. Be like, hey, I just got to do this five-minute set. And like. <laughs> yeah, she's been super patient of my efforts to chase my career. Um, but you know, you only want to push that so far. (laughs) So you say like, you wouldn't really have kind of gotten big in a sense until about eight years ago. I did an album for, uh, for, um, 800 pound gorilla records called KLJ greatest bits. And that was the point where this became like a viable career, but that was also what my sixth album. Yeah. You know, I did I did two independently and I did three with um stand-up records. And I was so excited to get signed to stand-up records, but stand-up records makes a really good record and then doesn't know how to sell it. Mm. Um so I was really still just on my own. I might as well have been doing those ones independently. Uh except now I, you know, did shared the money from them with someone else. Um, yeah. So then I signed with 800 pound and they're just phenomenal. They really know how to put stuff out there. And so that one went out and all of a sudden I was like, Oh, you can get paid for this. You know, because <laughs> ah, froze again. I love it. You keep having these dramatic pauses where you're like, because or you'll end on something. And I'm like, the tension's killing me. What are you saying? <laughs> all right. Am I back? I think you're back. I think you're back now. You're back now. Okay. What was the last thing I was saying? Uh, son of a bitch don't do this to me uh, oh yeah it's a viable career now you're actually making money yeah and that just you know I, I can't tell you what, what a difference that made and maybe in some bad ways too because sometimes I worry that I'm less driven because I'm less hungry oh. like I would like to take the next step but I'm not yeah you know, before I had to take the next step. <laughs> now I'm like, if I quit now, I would quit with having left behind a, a pretty decent track record, one I'm proud of. Heck yeah. <laughs> How many bought me a house? Maybe that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> like I can I can retire now. It's um I because for me it's oh, it's Metallica everything, which is why I love that story. And the fact that they called out your bit, dude. Like for me, it's like that's my Oscar moment. It's like, dude, I'm I'm fine. Like they 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 recognize me jane Hatfield heard me talk about metallica and called me yeah like it doesn't get too much cooler than that he called you he didn't just message you no he got my phone number from his manager reached out to mike kaplan's manager and so then mike texted me on super bowl sunday not this most <laughs> recent one but the year before yeah that hey james Hatfield wants your phone number is it okay to give it to him and i was like oh you think bruh (laughs) (laughs) um and then i had a headache i mean it was that exciting that like reading the text from mike i had a headache that lasted two days until james finally called me and that just blew my mind that was so he was a medicine that's why it's like your your mind was preparing for it being blown that's why it was pregnant in a sense right and so, and then I, I've texted back and forth with him a couple times since. And I, I told Johnny Taylor, I was like, you know, I don't want to like be that guy that like over texts him. It's like, we're best friends now or whatever. I was like, yeah, 
how often should I like message him to play it cool? And Donnie was all, I would message him every day. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't do that, but like the last couple of times I haven't heard from him. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'll lay back a little, you know? Because it sucks is they're like the metal version of the Beatles. It's just like they've, I think they played on every continent. I think even on Antarctica, they've played a show there. It's the, it's disgusting how they are well, the, the... The bit where I talk about him, uh, them rather, like kind of touches on what they meant to my life as a teenager also. Mm. Because I wasn't into metal. I kind of hated metal. And I was into The Cure and Echo and the Bunnymen. I was going to say Echo and the Bunnymen. You were, um, but, I guess, what do you call, say, a goth kid? or Kind of, yeah. Kind of somewhere between goth and punk. But because I got in trouble a lot, I ended up at continuation school. And most of the kids there were metalheads. And it was a re- real point of contention between me and, and a good deal of my peers. But I was also like, again, I took music very seriously. And so I was like, you guys love this stuff. Give me something to listen to. I'm going to give it an honest listen. And it was Ride the Lightning, wasn't it, that they told you to listen to? Um, actually, no, it was, um, I think in the joke, I may say Ride the Lightning at KFC. Yeah. But they actually sent me home with uh, a Motorhead album. Okay. I don't even remember which one. Damn it. And then uh, Master of Puppets. Um, that is, I think, their probably best artistic album. My favorite album is their first, but like they definitely like. Ride the Lightning is my favorite now. Which is also fantastic album though it's uh what's your favorite track on there if you can remember oh i don't even know i'm bad at picking favorites that's why my brain is still going crazy with you trying to uh have me do my mount rushmore i'm like (laughs) i'm glad you're still thinking about it we have less than a minute uh we're gonna do let's let's just jump in i i feel you have to go soon do you uh okay we can we can do the the jump that you need to do to the next one and then i should wrap up in like five or ten minutes sounds great keith be back all right we talked about comedy mount rushmore i might edit some of this out uh i just curious on the time this will be the last one probably you thinking oh yeah no definitely i can do like another 10 minutes or so okay then we gotta we gotta kind of uh, cut around the fat uh thank you again this has been super awesome that's why i love doing this is because i think this is more of what i enjoy doing with people is just cutting just cutting shit up and talking about music life just everything this is this has been very therapeutic for me (laughs) so thank you my man i uh if you had some time i just i if i could just be open with you i'm probably going to cut this because this is more personal it's um i i'm always battling between doing this and comedy because that's i don't know if I'm a comedian. I'm asked, I'm mentioning this to you because you kind of you taught me comedy. I've done comedy with you. You've seen me do comedy. We I like I made you laugh a couple of times. So I know I'm doing something right. <laughs> but uh it's kind of like you. I'm also trying to find my path and it's not very well written out. And I'm thinking this could be a viable path to take to kind of get me to make some money and you know do more of kind of what I want to start doing in my life. I uh, what, what's your opinion? How am I doing? And what do you think of this? Um, I think that. I know I'm asking hard questions. I never would have guessed that I would. I, there was a time in my life where I never would have guessed that I would land on stand up. I mean, I'm talking, I, I spent time trying to be a, a painter. Okay. Which, which I was really into. 
um, a poet, writer. Uh, I fronted a band. Lead singer, you you lead sang. Was it a punk band too? Yeah, it was like '60s garage, like kind of proto punk. Okay, all right. Um, and and I put everything. I mean, I was as obsessed with that while I was doing it as I was with comedy later. Um, just really, it was the center of my life during the time when I did it, and I don't regret any of those. Uh, all of them, and and some of them maybe I'll even go back and revisit. I've always said that I was going to start a punk band when I was sixty because there's just not enough sixty-year-old punk bands. But these days there are a few. So, <laughs> dude, you straight the fuck up look <laughs> like um, who's the lead singer of Bad Religion? Wow, oh, really? Uh, we're just both old bald white guys. I, Greg, Greg Raffin, yeah, but you know what? He's kind of I always get mixed up between Raffin and Greg Kahn. He's a he's a he's a smarty pants. I'd like to think of you as like a smarty, like you know, you know, like you know the answer. He's much more classically. He's much more <laughs> classically educated than I am. Uh, no. Nah. Well, my point is, try all the things, and okay. there's two things you're looking for: the one that feeds your soul, and and the one that kind of gets you those cookies that you know you you show a penchant for, and and it kind of picks up its own momentum. Right. It's because we're working class people. I you know I think a lot of people would take the second part of that out and say, it just needs to be about your passion. It just needs to be about what feeds your soul. And I'm like, no, it also maybe has to feed your body because, you know, we, we work for a living. And so I think it's realistic to like, you do have to love it, but if, if you love three different things and one of them pays the bills, you're probably going to do that one first. Yeah. You know, and like maybe I talk about I'll revisit some of those other things, but I mean, when I retire. Yeah. <laughs> right now, while I've still got bills to pay, I'm going to do the one that is bringing some money and keep hustling and whatnot. Well, I, I guess the uh, more specific question is do you think I should still do comedy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everyone I know that's ever been driven to do comedy, when they quit, they go back to it dude i've and then they go back to it with time wasted i i keep breaking up with comedy so many times every time i've wanted to quit that's what i tell myself i'm like why just slow down a little during those periods you know but keep keep your stuff sharp and keep like yeah don't i don't know no you're you're saying a lot of great wisdom because like that's why i feel like it happens is i break up with comedy but like it's always a couple months or a year later i'm like why'd I ever quit you? Why? <laughs> where, where do we pick up from this? Or it just, it just picks off where it's like, okay, yeah, I forgot how much fun this was. I, and I'm definitely going to cut this out though, but uh, this, I have a hard time talking to other comedians or I've just had a lot of bad experiences with comedians. Like. Yeah. Don't cut this out. This is so important. It's okay. Okay. That's also the joke. I'll keep saying I'm going to cut it out and I don't. (laughs) You don't have to get along with every other comedian. People are like, oh, this is our peer group. And now we're all friends as we're comedians. I also, you know, for a while worked a lot within the atheist community. And like most of my on the road shows, I got I got brought all over the country to perform at atheist events. Right. It's okay if there's a whole big group of comedians who I have nothing in common with. Um, I, I found the ones that I do and, and we kind of have things in common artistically and, and intellectually and when, you know, even just we get along and, and like, I almost feel like people try too hard 
to think that because they have being comedians in common or being atheists in common or being whatever else in common that, okay, they have to be friends and they have, they have to mesh. Yeah. And, and don't, don't let that bother you. Just focus on the relationships you have that you do have with other comedians who, who you vibe well with and you work well together and you create cool stuff together, you know, and, and those relationships are awesome. And, you know, I've got an entire comedy scene in a town that shall not be mentioned for whatever reason, this whole scene hates me. I mean, Mm. and they give that feud energy and I don't, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, do your thing. I'm still going to be over here doing my thing. Still getting paid for it. And I'm not worried about it. Like my, my social uh, identity isn't uh, all about being a comedian. And, and I also think that if, if you get to where all your friends are comedians, it's going to affect your comedy in a bad way. You need to be in touch with life outside of just that. Working Joe's. Yeah. Like the, 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 the people who are going to listen to your stuff, not just other. Unless you're going to be that comedian that only performs for other comedians. And there are a few of those. And some of them are actually really good. But some of them are a little, a little weird, but exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, and and thanks for, oh my God, please don't tell me. Okay. I thought it, uh, it closed off for a second, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not going to edit this out. And uh, thanks for just the wisdom, because that's kind of where... I I'm still learning how to not give a shit just because I it's also hard because I think I've smoked pot a good amount of times, which I definitely think is affecting it. <laughs> but I I'm just ultra Mr. Sensitive. And like, if you don't like me, why? What did I do, Keith? But that's not that's not unusual amongst comedians. Yeah, we're, we're... I know exactly. Why don't we should bond over this more? What the instead of fight? It, well, it's, it's that weird combination of like the most insecure people in the world having the confidence to say, Hey, everybody look at me and listen to me. (laughs) I'm going to share all my most personal details. Uh, And also I'm very sensitive and insecure. Please be gentle. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, and it's just just that weird dichotomy, but that's part of what makes comedy so fascinating also. Well, I'm going to keep this in because uh, to anyone listening who's interesting, this is what comedy is about. We're talking about like, this is, you know, it's not all, as Keith said in the beginning, sunshine and roses, you know, or uh, rose-colored glasses. Sometimes it is, it's shitty. Sometimes brown-colored glasses. Brown glasses. <laughs> well, okay, no. So, as I mentioned, I'm definitely cutting this out. Uh, I want to name drop just because I want you <laughs> Did you, because it was somebody you know. Uh, I, after the comedy class, I was invited by another comedian to do, like, a set for like his little show or something and i thought okay you got it uh i thought he was joking because i was a newbie i was my first like i was i was like okay you're fucking with me i'm not that funny you actually think i got to do a show with you and a bunch of other comedians and he thought i was being a dick and he's like oh yeah well then fuck you you know i i gave you a shot but no thanks I called him a bunch of times to say, bro, I'm just kidding. I'm extra insecure. I didn't think I was that good. Tell me in the chat who it is. So okay. To edit this out. <laughs> uh, yeah, because that's that, that way we still have to edit out, though. But uh, <laughs> plus, I doubt they're going to listen. But in the case, like, we meet up, I, I would be like, you're talking shit. But, but I love the guy. He's hella funny. I respect this. Sh- I would love to re-see him again because I still think he's a cool dude, but he f- ripped my fucking head off. It was crazy. Uh, I don't know how to spell his name, but I think it's uh, 
that guy. The the fact that you don't know how to spell. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. No, I love him so much, uh, but he has. I've had similar experiences with him. Okay, um, feel so much better. And and again, and and with you and him, that's just two insecurities crashing into each other. Because uh, I mean, he's incredibly successful at this point. Is he? Oh yeah, no, he's totally blown up. I saw him do like a TikTok vidder where he's like, he's doing the whole. Well, that, this is going to give away who it is. Uh, oh, that man, I I was going to say his <laughs> uh, his Taco Bell like. Uh, the bit with the, the team so i so good such a good bit Ge- genius it's like chef's kiss so, so I, I i love him to death but at the same time that you are analyzing yourself as having insecurities and this that so does he i mean okay. so do most of us and it almost seems like the funnier you are maybe the more extreme those are so I can see you guys missing each other and totally like, and if I ever had a chance to sit down with the two of you, I bet you'd get along famously. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's when someone tells you they think you're funny, you just have to like say thank you and be glad and, and trust that they really do. Right. And then also know that if you're like, why is someone booking me when I'm brand new? We love people who are brand new. We call them bringers. Ah. Because they haven't burnt it. And I don't mean that as an insult. I think bringer has become an insult. Mm. I didn't even know it was. <laughs> when when you're new, you'll bring more people out because your friends haven't burnt out yet. When you're doing comedy three nights a week, every week, you're you're like, friends, please come. They're like, whatever, I'll come next week. When you're brand new, you're like, hey, I'm doing comedy. Your friends are like, oh God, I want to see that. You know, <laughs> was I uh, was I one of the your biggest springers? I guess I would say. Uh, at the graduation show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's always one or two people in every class who help pack the place out. Was I the biggest, though? Because that I think that club was fucking full. It was like 40, 60 people that showed up. I, well, I feel like you want a certain answer, but no. Ah, I do. You call. You're, just call it, yeah. I'll take it. You're on the list. Top three. I'll take it. Okay. We're going to end this because I saw your message. We, you got to go and it's fine, bro. It's it's okay. Uh, <laughs> Comedy Mount Rushmore. I'm going to throw shade on that comedian, even though we never dropped his name. So he, I called him a bunch, ignored my messages. He then sent me a screenshot of the show. He's like, you could have been a part of this. <laughs> <laughs> and then he blocked me and I think unblocked me. <laughs> and I was just like, what happened? Like, bro, come on. Oh, that's funny. Um, okay. All right. Mount Rushmore. And I'm going to preface with, uh, this has been an amazing experience. This has fed my soul. Will you come back? please sure. cool sure fuck yeah but you have to buy me coffee uh, dude i will buy you um everything i will buy you a necklace a pretty dress i'll take you out what <laughs> wine and dine you bro bob newhart okay can you do a, le- a, a loose description why so button down mind is some would say the first comedy record at least the first like traditional in a club monologue comedy record where it wasn't sketch you know it wasn't like sketch comedy or playing characters or whatever it was it was literally just what we do as stand-up comedians so so bob newhart's button down mind is and it's phenomenal i think it still stands up his timing 
I don't know if that stutter of his, he can control it a certain amount or if it's just a gift. It's like the pepper to comedy. It's just the right amount of like when they're like, and, and, and it's, they're revving up the joke kind of. He always stutters right before the punchline, the relief, and it helps create the tension. And it's just his timing is the best. And then uh, knowing that he was a radio DJ who had never performed stand-up comedy as stand-up comedy in a club before, he went and did a week at a club and the record you hear is from that week. And it was his first week ever. Okay. Blows my mind. First week of, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. He'd been a comedian on radio. He had never been like a live stand-up comedian, but they were like, we want to record your, your materials. Great. We want to record it in front of a live audience. Okay. He says, sure. And most people say that, do that because they think it's easy. And then they find out it's really hard. He He's just a natural. It's just first head. So um bob newhart got it bob newhart uh lenny bruce i feel like one of the most like misunderstood like even the people that like him i feel like like him for the wrong reasons <laughs> again insane timing just impeccable he was so cool like i like i mean whereas bob newhart is the everyman and, and kind of on the nerdy side lenny's just the coolest Ever. he looks cool he looks like he can get any girl just that eyebrow raise i don't think i've listened to a lot of his <laughs> stuff what's his most famous bit well one of the ones i know the best oh, what's it called you could there's a record here's called what i was arrested for okay which is what i'm calling my next album hey there you go in tribute an homage that's so cool he talks about being arrested for saying the word well, I'm not going to say it. Ah, that's that's the you're you're teasing me with it. That's the bit. That's him. I got to listen to it. Okay, all right, it's on here. I'm going to listen to some of these though, because yeah. I I'll tell you the, the word. The word is cocksucker. I will say it. But he, but that's what he says. He says I was arrested for saying. Well, well, I'm not going <laughs> to say it. And then the way that he goes about describing the word is really funny. And he does this whole thing about blah blah blah. And Lenny, I he does a bit about the Lone Ranger. That's very funny. Fuck yeah. Okay. Um, so that's number two and yeah. uh what's your what's your third one this is so hard because it would change from day to day here's one where i gotta be honest there's a few where i have to be honest okay i and and then apologize it's no please that's the that's the point woody allen uh but i get it it's woody allen and the apology because he's turned out to be such a terrible person i get it like he makes it, really good movies and i haven't seen a stand-up even i love his movies I love his books. His stand-up is phenomenal. Okay. I mean, just so unbelievably good. I'm having such a great time listening to this. I'm going to get so high and just lounge and just have the best laugh. <laughs> What's his album? I'm I'm an atheist and, and my wife is agnostic and we, we can't decide what religion not to raise the children in. This <laughs> ridiculous stuff. Right. Um and then who am i gonna put next uh you, any because i you got you had your three heads you got one more any th new ones because that's the hard one is you gotta i feel like recognize what about a three-headed monster of okay i'll take it three-headed monster that's that's good we can do that <laughs> um i love maria bamford i think that sarah silverman just keeps getting better like Jesus is magic, I liked okay, and every album after that I've liked more. Like I liked Jesus is magic, but it didn't make her my favorite. And then every album afterwards, I just love her more and more. Plus, she had such a fun like acting, like just her career. 
Like it's a, she she got big off Disney. Oh, I didn't know that. Of all things, like that's what really blew her the hell up. <laughs> and she's still Sarah Silverman. It's it's crazy. I mean, obviously, there's people. Anyone hearing this will be screaming right now that I haven't said Richard Pryor yet, and obviously he needs to be on there somewhere. <sighs> that that's the hard part. It's just so yeah. hard to narrow it down to just four, mm-hmm. you know. Bill Cosby, another one I'll I'll give with the little asterisk next to it. I know he's turned out to be real dirtbag, and it actually does color when you go back and listen to Woody Allen or or you see like ed- like etches like it's on the walls. Knowing what you know now, you're like, ooh, yeah, that uh, that, that joke about Spanish flies not that funny now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's been trying to tell us the whole time. It's on the wall. Yeah, Bill Cosby had a joke about Spanish okay. flies. I'm like, eesh. Okay, so that's my three or four headed monster for that. All right. I want to give you a fifth head and like I want to do like a 2000s. Like there's no like Louis C.K., Bill Burr, Chappelle, like... Okay, see, this, and this is where I'll piss people off. I'm not a huge Chappelle fan. I'm, uh, and I think Louis C.K. is phenomenal. He's phenomenal. It's just it sucks. Is that we always find out comedians are kind of shitty people or become shitty? <laughs> right. Bill Bill Burr, I'm not a huge fan of. He, to me, he just comes across as bullying and not fun. Uh, yeah but but sometimes he bullies really well like right. have you listened to his bit where he's talking about the arnold schwarzenegger divorce no i'll, I'll go look it up i'll, I'll send but the one thing is i do love the one where he was in uh what town is rocky balboa from uh i actually don't know but i want to say is it new york no he he goes on stage and and the town is just eating him alive and he says screw this I'm out of here and they all start cheering and then he comes back and he goes no no <laughs> it's like oh okay his gloves are off he's rolled up his sleeves he says he says we got ten minutes okay ten minutes and he just starts roasting them and counting down the time he's like you got five more minutes <laughs> and at the end of it they gave him like a standing ovation there you go and when they start loving him. He even criticizes them for that. He's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Why did I start hating you for you to like me? Like you, because you hate yourself. Like, you know? Fuck yourself. And it was one of the most brilliant bits I've ever seen. But one of the only times that I'm a fan of his, I'm just not, and I'm not trying to make any enemies here. This is just my taste. It's, no, that's, that's an opinion. We we <laughs> used to live in a place where people had them and there were also assholes and that's okay. But it, it, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's not he's not a big one. But Louis C.K. I think is brilliant. I think he's one of the best ever. And it's a shame he turned out to be their bag, but very good. We're go- we're gonna revisit this. I, I I want homework because like you gave a lot of great names, and dude, you don't know how many albums I'm gonna listen to and just have the best time. So this was an ins- dude. Get some old Red Fox records. Oh yeah, uh, I uh, his party records are so much fun. Okay, fine. Give me one one red fox and then you have to go oh i i couldn't i couldn't red the only thing i'd say is i the first red fox i bought i should have read the back of the record better because it says can red fox do a clean record yes he can and i was like ah not what i wanted um so just make sure you don't get that one (laughs) but he he released so many he was i think one of the first people to really be making a living as a black comedian, especially at that time, a lot of the industry was shut out to him. And as a black comedian who was worked very blue, it was even more shut out to him. But he kind of created, again, with being an independent, he kind of created his own. He had an audience. So they independently produced records. They were, I think, called party records or okay. they were brown 
you know, no no cover art, just brown with like a drawing of him. So oh God. cover art, but not like full color photography like his peers would have had. And they called them party albums. And he did a bunch of them. I mean, it's insane how many of them there are floating around out there. And they're great. And they're and they're dirty. Oh wow. Hell yeah. But like but like innocent goof, like dirty, like we would all tell his jokes to each other in fifth. <laughs> like everyone, everyone had their favorite red fox. And this thing, people like. So he brought it to a black audience, whereas everyone else was like, no one was targeting the black audience as much. Even if a white comedian or a black comedian was putting out records, it's because they saw crossover potential. Mm. Whereas he just went, I think, after the black market that he had that loved him, and then white kids discovered him. (laughs) You know, similar thing with hip hop, or where white people didn't care about him but white kids were like oh my god this is and we were treating his records left and right we were were like hey you want to hear bill cosby and we're like bill cosby uh no dude he's a fucking yeah uh listen to this you know mind you i think bill cosby's stunningly brilliant but uh what but hey hey this is the funny this is schoolyard humor we want dirty we want cocksucker you know we want I get it. Get yeah, it. Red Red Fox was the best. Man, dude, I uh, you have to go. And part of this bit is I don't know how to end it. You have to plug your stuff very quickly, right. and then I help me end this. I had people sing. You could do a All bit right. if you want to. You gotta go, or I don't know. Like help help me make it funny and end. Close out with just go grab one of my bits off of grab my bit about the band Kiss off of um, YouTube and okay. close out. There you go. Yeah, that's why. All I right. Do. Oh, I can't get um, a live rendition. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta give a pull up the audio. I can do that. It's cool. You promise you won't sue me. Viacom won't sue me. No, this is me right now giving you permission to play it. Uh, KLJ. Hey. Okay. There you go. KLJcomedy.com. Okay. Uh, or KeithLowellJensen.com. That's my plug. Either of those will bring you to all of the stuff. Okay. And uh, kiss one. And right on the front page, right on the front page is a link to my current, my most recent special, which is called uh, Not for Rehire. And you can watch it free. Absolutely 100% free. It's already been through the different pay streaming networks. Now it's up there for free. Not for Rehire. Is it actually on um, Um, my next album? Amazon too? Not for Rehire? Yeah, it's still on Amazon, but you might as well go watch it on YouTube. Oh, it is. Oh, my God. You're right there. Right there. Not for real. Full comedy special. And this one includes the uh, KFC bit, the hand bit, right? Which has the which has the Metallica reference. Yeah. Everybody needs to listen to this. It's got James Hetfield's favorite comedy bit on it. If you ex- approve. Oh, my God. I, I might put that in the description. Like approved by James Hetfield. Yeah. So please watch this. If you haven't, again, I'll say it again, fall in love with this man. If you want to know more about this man and his journey with comedy, because we didn't even touch anything about the animation festival, which, bro, like, I love cartoons. The fact that you even got a chance to be, do that, like, yeah. uh, okay, so just if you like cartoons, comedy, you think this guy's funny, not for rehire on YouTube. It's Keith Lowell Jensen. Just type not for rehire. It's the first link. Or like I say, you can go to kljcomedy.com or keithlowelljensen.com and it's right on the front page there. You got Instagram or what's what's the best social media? Facebook? Keith, Keith Lowell. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. I'm, I'm not on Twitter because I don't want to be on Elon Musk's Twitter. It, it, you don't um, want to be part of his money cult? You won't get any... I'll be, I'll be more on TikTok coming up. Uh, and I do have a new special called What I Was Arrested For that should be out in the next couple of months. I uh, Tell me. I'll uh, tell the people to check it out though. 
but it's it's gonna be from my 800 pound gorilla okay. media just like all my last four albums and so they'll make sure it's okay and it'll be all over my website well i'm super good at editing so i'm gonna just say i'm gonna put it right here Have fun. and there's this is now your kiss bit playing uh legally by keith Lowell jensen don't sue asterix guys it was a uh, and please no, please no. I sorry. You're gonna play the kiss bit. I have something no. to say. To kiss <laughs> okay, please. The only reason that I hate Kiss so much is because I love Kiss so much. Okay. Um, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Peter Chris, and Ace Frehley were just bigger than life in my childhood. They're so they look so cool. They are. They do. I love everything about them except their music. <laughs> I, they are the greatest stage performers. They're phenomenal. There's nothing uh, quite like Kiss. It, you can't argue that. Like it's it's there's just I'd go see him live in a heartbeat. Um uh, I just but I'd probably wear headphones and listen to something. Ah, uh, come on. I, I know you'd be humming the I was made for like it just you you'd be having a great time. Oh my god, heaven's on fine. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have see a good night, guys. Thank you. Bye. All right. Now I'm gonna stop recording here. There's bands that I, I think my hating them defines who I am as a person. Like Kiss. I hate Kiss so much. And I didn't start off hating Kiss. When I was a kid, I liked Kiss. I had a Kiss skateboard and I had a Kiss t-shirt. And Then I got old enough, I was like, shit, I should see what they sound like. Because <laughs> obviously they look cool as fuck. I'm ready. I'm going to hear some Alice Cooper, maybe King Diamond sounding shit, you know, and get the record out. It's my big moment. I put them on, I hit play, and I hear, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. What the fuck? Why do they sound like the Archies? What is this bullshit? How do you look like a kabuki demon and spit blood and shit and sing, I want to rock and roll all night? Fuck you for that. And I thought about the fact that these four boys were sitting around, like, talking about how to get their rock band up to the next level. And, and a nice boy named Gene said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to paint my face black and white like a dragon demon thing. The other guys are like, what? So yeah, big boots, teeth. I'm going to spit fire. Sometimes catch my hair on fire on accident. Blood gonna do it and the other guys are like oh yeah so then the next guy's like i'm gonna be the space guy i'm gonna do like big silver things on my eyes and i'm gonna be like i'm a spaceman i'm space ace and gene's like right on and a nice young man named stanley says yeah i'm gonna put a star on my eye I'm going to be the star guy. And then Space Ace was like, that's kind of already what I'm doing. So... And then he's like, no, it's different. It's more specific. It's cool. It's going to be all right. And before they could get in a fight, the fourth young man spoke up and said, I'd like to be a kitty. Gene says, what now? A cat. I would like to be a cat. Oh, you mean like a tiger, like a badass puma, black panther. No, a cat. I would like to have a black nose and whiskers. 
Why? Because I love my cat. <laughs> and that story makes me happy. <laughs> so, so thank you, Kiss, for bringing me joy. Thank you yet again for listening to another episode of Ordinary People, Extraordinary Stories. If you happen to know someone or believe you yourself have an extraordinary story to tell, shoot me an email at opespodcast at gmail.com. That's opes, just like the podcast, O-P-E-S, podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to have you on. Thank you so much again, and stay safe out there.